Well, this morning, uh, the message that I have is one I was thinking of the earlier this week and put it together or tried to put it together uh, at that point and kept working at it during the week. And so I come up with this, the divine good. <laughs> what on earth is a divine good? Well, hopefully as we move through the scriptures today, we find out this divine good that God has created is something that we can uh, continue to ground our life and ground our faith in every day. Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks, that we are to revere, we are to uh, worship him. Worship the Lord, who is the eternal one, who, for he is good, he is excellent. His mercy, his kindness, and his divine favor endure forever. And I like that part, endure forever. There is no vanishing point. <laughs> so the mercies of God and the goodness of God endures forever. There is no vanishing point. It just keeps on going. Forever and ever and ever. Now, whenever we look at the scriptures, and you know, the, the scripture declares that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away, meaning that the word of God is eternal. And whenever we allow the scriptures to formulate in our hearts and lives, it is something that is going to be there for eternity. We will be with the word, the living word, Jesus Christ, we will be with him forever, but the, the truths that we, that we learn, that we understand of the, of the scriptures, these truths will be with us forever. So as we look then at our daily lives, how then are these eternal truths finding a lodging place in our daily actions, in our daily thoughts, in the daily interactions with other people? Well, this Psalm 106 talks about, for he is good. Well, good means to be desired or approved, having the qualities required for a particular role. So God is good. He has the qualities uh, desired for the particular role. He is God. <laughs> but in the Hebrew, good, and we find that in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the good that we see there in, in Genesis is a, is a word that a characteristic is a, um, the handiwork. Elohim, God's handiwork, is good. And the Hebrew often, the Hebrew often related descriptions to functionality. Okay? The description good has a function to it. So whenever we are seeing God and, and have the name of God, it has a name and a functionality, meaning the Lord is our banner. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. So everything that we see with the, the name of God, it has, it has the name and a functionality that goes with it. Well, in this case, Hebrews um, looked at this and says, when Elohim looks at his handiwork, he did not see that it was good. He saw that it was functional. <laughs> 
So when God looked at everything that he had created and said it is very good, he is saying that it is well-functioning. So whenever we see this, then it is, and the illustration is, it's like a well-oiled or tuned machine. So when God is looking at something at his creation, he's saying that it is very good. It is very functional. And it is like a well-oiled and tuned machine. Well, of course, with all the illustrations and things, they have their limits. And so we, to those who would look at it and say, well, that means that a well-oiled machine, that people don't have choices. Well, no, and that's not what we're saying. Life without the power of choice would be a machine. The good that God created is the harmony of the creation with the divine good and the human choice. Wow, that's a mouthful. That is the divine good and the human choice coming together and how that it is in a functionality that it is like a well-functioning machine, well-oiled machine running very smoothly. So whenever we look then at a divine good, we are seeing the good that God is doing in our lives and in the world around us. So good then is this divine harmony that everything is working towards a divine purpose. Wow. Everything is working towards a divine purpose. And so God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Evening and morning were the sixth day. <laughs> wow. God looks at all that he had made, and he says, it's very good. Now, it's not, it's not just good to look at, beautiful, but it is functioning. It is functioning correctly. So let's look at creation. I was thinking of how that the, you know, our galaxy and so on, that our galaxy is spinning at 490,000 miles per hour. 490,000 miles per hour. It's funny, we don't get a speeding ticket, you know. <laughs> going 45 in a 35 zone, you know. Don't worry about it. We're going, we're traveling at 490,000 miles per hour. What's 10 miles per hour? I don't think they'll listen. Our galaxy needs 200 million years to make one rotation. There are over 1 billion galaxies just like ours in the universe. And if we take all of the sands of the sea and put them out there like our sun is a star, we take all the sands of all the seashores and count them up, that's how many stars there are. <laughs> so whenever we start looking at the functionality of God, we're seeing that God is at very thing that it all is functioning together just as a well-oiled machine. Gravity. Who would ever think? You know, in our, in our um, evolutionary, con in people's evolution, not ours, but evolutionary concept, that somehow it all began with the collection of dust particles and whatever and Big Bang theory and whatever kind of theory they come up with. And to think that all of this and these billions and billions of galaxies just came into existence because of happenstance. <laughs> well... So we remember what God looked at and looked at what he created and he declares that all of his creation, it is very good. It all fits. It all works in harmony. No. 
keep working at this. It all works in harmony. God is at work uh, in his creation. God has put it all together. Day one is light. God separates light from darkness, day and night. As day follows night, God said, it is good. The second day, sky and water, they're separated. Dry land and sea are separated on day three, where the boundaries for the waters. On the fourth day, the sun, moon, and stars to govern the day and night, to mark the days, the season, and the years. They are good. The fifth day, God created fish and birds to fill the sky and the waters. It is good. Day six, the animals to fill the earth. And all these were spoken into existence. But man and woman were created. God breathed into them the breath of life and they became a living soul. And God looked at his creation and he says, it is very good. Well, it all functions. It all has a purpose. It all is going to function smoothly. Seventh day, God rested. Well, some people, some one comedian said, well, I, I, don't, I can't believe in a God who needs to take a rest, you know. And, you know, smarten up. God didn't need to take a rest, but establish a divine pattern that if everything is to maintain the divine good, there must be a day to cease from labor to focus on the creator, to focus on the one who put all of this together. So God declares as he looked at all that he had created and affirmed it as good. Now, it's important to note that God sees creation as very good. Everything in all the universe, from the farthest of the stars to the plants <laughs> and the weeds growing out on the sidewalk. I think it's interesting that... Um, People, many in our society, you know, we want to preserve the planet. Uh, we've got to preserve this for our children. And, you know, those are noble thoughts. And, yes, we should take care of our planet, you know. We need, you know, but some of the things we do are just kind of foolish, you know. We take all the garbage from f cities out east and bring it up to the top of the water table and bury it in the ground. You know, oh, we want to save, we want to save our planet, okay? We want to, you know, and, it, you know, and those are all noble thoughts and all noble things, but it's, it's like we don't believe in God, but we think we have a responsibility to save our planet for our children. What are we saving it for? <laughs> what is the cost of saving the planet, well, we don't believe in God, so we are responsible now to take care of the planet for our children and for our descendants. Well, no, God is responsible. Somehow the people that don't believe in God get this, sometimes have this God concept that they now are making willful decisions. It's like they don't believe in the Ten Commandments because that means they're accountable. So they're, they're now they're accountable to saving the planet and saving... And, and those are, again, it's, it's, how can I say it? It's good, noble thoughts, but you're not God and you're not going to save the planet from what God says is inevitable that there is a time of 
there's a time of judgment that is coming, but until then, you know, we need to prepare our hearts and lives that we are, we are ready for the return of Jesus Christ, not to the destructive, not to destroy the planet, but to live here and live with God's grace and mercy and peace and take care of what God has given us. You know, whenever it says in, in Genesis where it says that you are to, you know, that Adam and Eve were to go forth and multiply, well, one translation has that not only as having children, but if you plant, if you, if you cut down a tree, you plant a tree. So God was in the process of wanting us to take care of the planet long before we came up with the idea. So, the, so we are looking at how that God wants us to take care of ourselves, take care of the planet, but in the, in the sense of what God is doing in our life to help us and teach us responsibilities. Romans 8, 28, we're very familiar with that, and we know that all things work together for good. <laughs> Here's that good again. Well-oiled machine. You see, all work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For good to those who love God. So we're going to start with the qualifying statement. The qualifying statement is those who love God. That this is part of the process that the world and all that is going on around it is working for a divine good. Oh, well, let's, let's go on with that one. Uh, it is from, from, that, from God that we know that in all things God works. So God works in these things. And when Satan tempted Adam and Eve and sin came into creation, the goal of evil was to disrupt the harmony, disrupt the good, to take away the well-oiled machine, the well-oiled functional creation that God had put in place between man and God and the, the earth and the fish and the sea and the birds of the air and, you know, the, the Garden of Eden and all that. It was a well-functioning process going on. Well, evil intends to upset that harmony, the good of creation it wants rid of. Most of all, Satan wants to destroy the relationship that moved and motivated, inspired the, the harmony, the created order, where God comes and walks with man in the cool of the garden, in the cool of the evening. You see, all of this was intended to destroy the harmony of creation, that it wouldn't flow, that it wouldn't work, throwing a wrench in the system, so to speak, and clogging up all the gears so that they don't work. But what Satan could not grasp was that no matter how hard he tried, God already knew what he was going to do. God already knew the outcome. And so the chaos that Satan tries to bring appears to disrupt the divine order. But what looks like disorder that is caused by evil, it only leads to one level of darkness. For you see... In a day, there is darkness and there is light. Darkness is only one part of a day. 
Satan in his evil plots are just one part of life, like there's two sides to a coin. And as we look at life and as we look at the darkness that Satan wants to occupy, he's trying to get the darkness to, to you know, just, you know, those cartoon characters where the, the guy's running in the dark trying to catch up to the light. <laughs> well, Satan, he's trying to keep throwing the darkness into the light, and it doesn't, the, you know, it doesn't work. The light dispels the darkness. Well, whenever we look at the crucifixion and we see where Jesus, he came to be the Lamb of God, to be the sacrifice for the sin of the world. Well, Satan wanted to kill Jesus. You know, from when he was born, you know, Herod, uh, Bethlehem, they killed how many hundreds of baby boys under the age of two. You know, trying to destroy the Son of God, trying to destroy the plan of God. Satan was trying to destroy the harmony that God was trying to establish. Well, darkness does not know how to interpret light. <laughs> the darkness does not know how to interpret light, how to interpret the good, the God good that he has created. And so evil thinks that they are destroying the plan of God, having Jesus crucified and having him beaten and you know, taken from the garden and, and beaten and mock trial, put on the cross and crucified, and he dies. Satan thinks he is one. But what has he done? He interprets what he has done from the darkness of his own heart. But from the light of Jesus Christ and from the light of God, it was the fulfillment of God's plan for the salvation of the world. <laughs> Evil continues to try to frustrate the plan of God. Evil cannot see in the light. Evil blindly tries to bring in the darkness, but only succeeds to fulfill the good that God has set in order. The darkness of lies, of deceit, of dictators, of hunger for riches and, you know, bringing, all they're doing is bringing to, to an end the world where evil is fighting God. But by the word of God, Satan will do, all he will do is try and end up destroying himself. <laughs> he is constantly in the dark. And we know that in all things, God is working for good to them who love God. So the challenge then for us is in everything, we need to look for the good. Okay? We need to look for the good. And how that God is at work in the divine good. I thought of it in a concept of like there's two, two mechanisms going on. I thought this will be confusing, so, but I won't tell you that, but I am. So there's two mechanisms. <laughs> there's two mechanisms functioning at the same time, and they seem to be working the same way, that bad things happen, you know, people die, accidents happen, you know, Jesus is crucified, you know, all that seems to be fitting into the, the darkness. But guess what? The light shines on that, and there's a whole different outcome 
than, that is in, than what is in the darkness. For in the death of Jesus Christ, it becomes the salvation of the world. <laughs> in, when the righteous person dies, <laughs> the whole, all of heaven rejoices. So whenever we look at these things, we have a whole different interpretation of life. We have a whole different interpretation of what's going on. When evil is trying to make something bad, God is saying, I can make this good. I am making this good. God had a plan long before evil even thought of it. And so we are all looking then for the good, to believe that God is working in all things. Now, Obviously, it's not evident. <laughs> when certain things happen, it's not the, you know, the cure-all. Something tragic happens. You go, well, God's working everything to the good. Well, you know, they would just like to smack you in the face. <laughs> it's like, get away from me with that. Well, it's not the magic cure. It's not the, you know, take away all your pain. God is doing this for a divine good. You know, well, you know, go away, please. But over a period of time, as we look at those things, as we examine the light of what God is doing in our lives, there's a divine good. We could have seen it as evil. We could have seen it as ridiculous and wrong. When, when Jesus was crucified, the disciples didn't see that as divine. They didn't see that as good. Their Messiah, the one they trusted in, the one they believed in, is, you know, they saw him on a cross, they saw him die. This is, this is terrible. Our world is over. Everything we hoped in is gone. And that's often how we interpret things in our life when we don't have the light. But when the light shines forth, Jesus is risen from the dead. Hmm. Now that puts a new light on the subject. That puts a new slant on what's going on. We have the light of Jesus Christ shining in our lives and shining on the, on the outcome of what is taking place. And so evil still thinks it's got an evil plan going here, but oh, guess what? They lost. He lost. So we must believe that God is at work in all things. And we look at what God has given to us in his word. In the light, he has given us forgiveness. In the darkness, there is hatred. In the, in the light, there is letting go of your past. In the darkness, there is hanging on to it in vengeance and greed. You see, there's a whole different interpretation of the emotion and of events. Because light makes a difference. Because God is at work. He has a divine good going on beneath the surface. There is a divine good at work in us. And it's, it's hard for us at times in the difficult places, in the difficult situations, to see something good in this. But that's our faith. And it says, I don't see it, but I believe it. You know, Abraham... He didn't have a child. But God said he would have a child. Well, the darkness was, he's too old to have a son. His wife is too old to have a son. 
What are they going to do? It's a dark time. <laughs> but the light of God comes and says, Abraham, I'm giving you a son. It's what I promised. And in these situations, we see how that God is at work making a difference when we allow the light of Jesus Christ to shine on our lives. Just as darkness is part of a day, so is light part of the day. And in our lives, there are dark times, but we don't live in the darkness. We live in the light. We live in the light of Jesus Christ. So when darkness comes, it seemingly brings doubt and despair and lack of purpose. But we must remember what God gives to us can never be taken away from you. What God brings into our hearts and lives can never be taken from us. So there is this divine pattern of God. There is this, this divine pattern of good. Being forgiven, loving God, knowing that the divine good is working, knowing that his plan is being fulfilled each moment of each day, the divine plan, the divine plan of God at work. So we think back at creation. God looked at all of this and he said, it is very good. Everything is functioning in harmony with one another and it all is in relationship to one another. Well, evil came seemingly to disrupt it, but it only God had already brought in another plan. And that divine harmony was never stopped. It was just seemingly covered up, but it was always there. So likewise, verse 26, likewise the Spirit itself helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In our life, the light of God is shining. And the Holy Spirit is living within us and giving us strength for each day. And we find that the Spirit of God not only maintains this hope within us, but it helps us in our present limitations. My present limitations. God, I can't see where this is good. That's all right. We have a lifetime. And if it's not answered in our lifetime, it'll be, it'll be settled in eternity. But the Holy Spirit will help us in our limitations. We do not know how to pray, but we ask God to help us to pray. What is it that I need to pray for? And those groanings that even we don't understand what they are, God, we hear your, we want to, you to hear these groanings of our hearts and our lives. And God, who knows the hearts and the secrets of our hearts, he understands us. He understands there is a divine good at work in our lives. <laughs> a divine good. So how do we live in this divine good? In everything, make your requests made known to God. Pray. Ask God for direction. Ask God for deliverance. Ask God for his sight. You know, often Jesus would say, 
He who has eyes to see, let him see. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And in our lives, that's what we're doing. God, a divine good, help me see it. Help me understand it. Help me move in faith towards it. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is good. God is good. You know, people say, God is good. Yeah, all the time. (laughs) And that's good. That's a good thing to say. But the, the understanding is, God is good. He is functioning. And all that he has created is like a well-oiled machine. All of his creation, everything is working together. Wow. It's all working together for my good and your good. Imagine that. And the good that God says, he looks at his creation and says it is very good. God looks at our life and all the situations going on in our life and he can speak to our heart and say, this is very good. This is very good. And we're saying, what? <laughs> Don't look good from here, God. And, but God, see, we've got to take his word for it. Allow that divine, that divine insight, allow the Holy Spirit to speak that divine good into our lives and we will know Nothing shall ever separate us from the love of God. We will know that in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God. And that in the things that we don't understand, we will trust. And we will trust until God will give us the insight to know that he is working in everything to a divine good and a divine purpose. Amen? Let's stand. Thank you, God, for the divine good. The good that you have spoken into our lives. The hope that you place there by your spirit. The strength that you give to us each day for serving you. We ask, Lord, your blessing. We ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we might see what you are doing and how you are working. And, Lord, the divine outcome that is, that is ahead of us. So we do not give up because the answer to our prayer may just be around the next corner. Thank you, God, for this good, this well-functioning plan and purpose of God in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God's good be with you. <laughs>